Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord which engaged us this morning comes from our epistle lesson, Ephesians 6, read earlier. There are many Christians out there right now that aren't feeling real strong in the Lord today. No, I'm not talking about us here at Concordia and going through finals week. I let Doug do that yesterday. I'm talking about the wider Christian community. A week ago, a major evangelical pastor in Colorado confessed his sin and resigned from the ministry, caught up in sexual sin and in the purchase of illicit drugs. We can all sit and say, well, at least he wasn't Lutheran, but we know that his shame, his stain, comes upon the entire Christian church and upon the office of the pastoral ministry. And then yesterday... The state of Missouri becomes a national prominent site with the STEM STEM Cell Amendment 2 initiative, which, at least from what I looked at earlier this morning, appears that we lost that battle as well. We were outmaneuvered rhetorically and outspent financially by those who have no Fifth Commandment qualms with cloning small humans and then using them to experiment in hopes unsubstantiated hopes that illnesses might be cured. It's been a rough week to be a faithful Christian here in the U.S. of A. But it's not just been the past week, it's been the last decades. More than 30 years ago, before many of you were even born, before many of the rest of us were adults, the Supreme Court ruled in the Roe v. Wade decision that unborn infants were not really human and therefore could be sacrificed on our altar of choice. Since that Roe v. Wade decision, this country has been sacrificing more than 4,000 infants a day, I'm told. The weakest members of our society, without a voice at all. And we seem helpless to do much of anything about it. True, a few weeks ago, scores of us stood out on Clayton Avenue with the annual Stand for Life. And there quietly, peacefully, demonstrated in our hopes that this horror in our culture would be changed. We stood there for an hour, and we were mostly accepted by people that drove by, but a few dozen that cursed us, swore at us, shouted at us, made gestures at us during that time. In Kansas a few years ago, when I was doing something similar, a car actually swerved at us, trying to frighten us off of the curb we were standing Sometimes it's hard to feel very strong as a Christian here in the USA. Add to that the war we're at with militant Islam around the world today. Terrorism, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan continue with no apparent end in sight. I was a pastor close to Fort Riley in Kansas and saw those soldiers coming back. Imams continue to preach hatred of the West and Christianity and the U.S., There are millions, perhaps even hundreds of millions of jihadist militant Muslims around the world who want to conquer the world for Islam. We Christians can seem trapped when we're taught to love our enemies, and our enemies want to kill us before they've even met us yet. You all know the statistics, I'm sure, that more Christians have been martyred for the Christian faith in the previous century than were martyred in all the previous 19 centuries combined. 
We in the U.S. often think that we're safe from those sorts of attacks as long as we can survive the harassments of somebody swerving their car at us or speaking ill about us because we want to continue talking about Jesus and His Word. But even there, it's easy to begin to wonder what happens if one of these states gets a hold of an atomic, a nuclear weapon to build their terrorist arsenal. How can we best protect ourselves? Who should we elect, Republicans or Democrats? How are we going to be kept safe? The Apostle Paul, who was a diplomat, an ambassador, if you will, not for some foreign government, but for his Lord Jesus Christ, is writing to Christians in Asia Minor from an earthly prison. From there, the Holy Spirit inspires him to write what those Christians needed to hear when it was hard to be a Christian. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Paul didn't say, Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. He didn't say, Seek your own inner strength. He didn't say, Devise a more skillful election strategy. He said, It's not up to the church ultimately to be rhetorically savvy in an election or determine the best military defense against militant Islam, you, you may be going out, will be going out as pastors and teachers and deaconesses in the coming years. It's important for all of us to think like Paul and not like Americans. Ultimately, we're not struggling even against Muslims or abortionists, against Republicans or Democrats. We are struggling against cosmocrats. Paul says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Earlier in his letter, Paul had written those words that we Lutherans know also well in chapter 2. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this, not of yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We know that we are saved solely through trusting in the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But God has saved us, has made us His agents, His soldiers behind enemy lines, kept us in this world for His purposes. As he goes on to say in verse 10 of chapter 2, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. I adamantly believe that that is why we are here at Concordia, not just taking tests, not just reading books, but preparing our lives so that God has us more fully prepared for those good works that He is preparing for us in the future. Many of those good works that you'll be doing will be normal, yet critically important efforts of pastors and deaconesses. You'll be doing things that many people in the world think of as mundane, making hospital calls and sharing the word of the Lord with people there, teaching catechism classes to 11 and 12-year-olds, making changes in a bulletin for your church, conducting funeral services, Be preparing yourself for all of those things here, but also know that the Lord may be armoring up you 
for other special things that you have no idea what they might be in the future. Let me give you one example. A few years ago, when I was serving in Kansas, I opened up the local newspaper to the headlines, Local Man Demands Ten Commandments Monument Be Removed. You see, we had one of those 1950s-style Ten Commandment monuments there in Junction City, sitting right in front of the city building. Nobody had been paying much attention to it since the Ten Commandments movie came out in 1957. I actually am glad that movie came out to my parents. That was the first movie my parents ever went to see uh, on a first date. So if it hadn't been a good movie, I might not be here with you today. (laughs) But no one had paid much attention to that monument until some 18-year-old who claimed he was an atheist decided to make an issue of it. He sent a letter to the city commission, and it probably wouldn't have come to much. The city commission probably could have shuffled that away and made it a pretty minimal thing, except the local newspaper editor also got a hold of it. And the local newspaper editor, who was more liberal in his, in his sort of takes, decided to push those buttons. Because of his previous editorials, I had already jousted with him several times in other spiritual theological editorials, debating with him about issues of homosexuality and what the Bible teaches, about gay marriage, about pornography. But I'd always included in those editorials not just the law of the church, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. Had even managed to get in, in my own brain, and even explicitly, 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to give an answer to those who question you about the hope that is in you. But do this with gentleness and respect. I assumed, and I'm pretty sure this editor was itching for a good fight, and wanting to entice Christians in the town to get shrill and angry. And so I decided it was time to write another editorial. But this time, instead of just signing it myself or having my elders sign it with me, I happened to be going to a ministerial alliance meeting in a couple of days. So I asked the other pastors in town if if they wanted to sign on to this as well, to call the community to a peacefulness in Jesus Christ. About 20 of them were there, and yes, all but one of them wanted to sign that. Well, it wasn't just the pastors that were in town or that were at that meeting. The city commission was worried about this. Because the newspaper made it so big, they knew that one of the upcoming city commission meetings was going to be irate. And so they wanted to brainstorm about how we could make it as peaceful as possible. Well, the ministers and the mayor and the city commissioner decided one of the ministers should stand up as a representative for the rest and should speak to the community about this issue and to try to remain peaceful. Guess who they nominated? A couple of weeks later, I found myself standing in a gymnasium. Usually, the city commission meetings only had 30, 40 people at it. I thought maybe 60 or 80 would come to this. There were 500 very anxious people in this meeting, wondering what was going to happen, what was going to be said. They first heard some regular sort of governmental things go about, and then the 18-year-old got up and said his piece. And then I was called to the podium by the mayor to speak. And I basically said what was in the editorial, calling Christians there not to emphasize their rights as Americans, but to live the gospel, live out the gospel of peace of their Lord Jesus Christ. I reminded them that their mission was not over the law of the Ten Commandments, but over the gospel of our crucified and resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. He was strong enough to defend himself without us getting irate about our rights as Americans. 
He had conquered the schemes of the devil, not with earthly strength, but through his own innocent suffering and death, through his own blood. The crowd listened. There were no shrill outbursts that evening, nothing for the paper to write about. I publicly shook the hand of the young atheist who had come, very wide-eyed and scared himself, and found out later that he actually was still open to hearing from the word of the Lord. I wish I could tell you that my rhetoric led to scores of new people joining Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Junction City, but only one did, actually one of the city commissioners later, who was a friend of mine already. I don't know what good works God has prepared in advance for you to do, what he is armoring you up to do for him now and in the future, but I know that he does. We may still have many political and military defeats in our earthly future, but we can be ultimately confident that he is here strengthening us through his word, through his sacraments, so that we can continue to go out and strengthen others using the shield of faith to extinguish all of the attacks of the evil one. He is preparing you as his agent his soldier behind enemy lines to continue his fight for righteousness and peace. So, take up his armor and stand firm. And the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.